Welcome to the C3 Podcast, Conferences, Conventions, and Continuing Education, presented by Engineerica Systems, a resource for our current clients and prospective clients with industry news, event expertise, and innovative technology. And we are your hosts. I'm Janelle Connor, an educational events planner, Asher Lazo, conference tracker expert. Hello. As well as Rachel Gray, event technology consultant. Hi, how are you? Today we're talking about engaging and valuable content for your virtual events. We have special guest Courtney Stanley, entrepreneur and event MC, and we'll chat about the latest happenings in the industry. So Asher, tell us a little bit about some of the ways we can better engage our audience. Sure. With our new virtual updates, we do have ways of using those same old engagement opportunities that we used to provide before in our virtual landscape. So for example, one of our more popular features is the live polling. Presenters and administrators can schedule out these live polls to go out during a session. So when you're engaging with your audience, they can just look at their phones and see that they have a poll waiting for them to be answered. So you can coordinate with that live poll and your session to bring it up during your session, have your attendees be more engaged and answer those live polls. Those live polls are very customizable. It's a quick question you can set up. And like I said, you can schedule it ahead of time. So you don't have to worry about publishing during a session. It can be a multiple choice question or an image choice question or an open text if you want. And that helps your attendees kind of be more engaged with their phones and open their session, stuff like that. And it works virtually as well. Sure. Does that also apply to speakers? Can speakers set up a poll as well as conference organizers? Yep. Both of them can set this up ahead of time for sure. What are some ways that people utilize polls in their events? Yeah. One of the more creative ones that I've honestly seen has been people use this system to hold elections during their conferences or events. For example, you could set up a group of your attendees to be under a board members group. So you know who you're sending this poll out to. And in that poll, you can have a multiple choice question where you are asking who would you like to see voted into a position in that committee? These results can be set to anonymous and the results can be shown immediately afterwards to see where the results are lying. And once all these polls have been answered, you can quickly export this out, see who the winner of that election was and take it from there. I imagine that if you were having a speaker who was trying to decide what would be most valuable to speak on, what their audience would most like to hear about, they could present something in a poll early on in their speech. So I might talk about this or this. Tell me what you'd rather hear. And then after a few minutes, check the results and go, it looks like most of you want to hear about X. So we're going to talk about it. Exactly. You can even show that in your presentation as well. You can actually send those out even before the event begins. All you'd have to do is turn the attendee app on, send them out and say, what should I speak on? What are you most interested in? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a really good way to connect with your audience. I mean, that's one of the biggest complaints we have about virtual events is that you can't really see your audience. It's harder to know what they are doing, what they want to hear. And one of the things we want to do is encourage their participation in the content as well. So having a poll early on in the event, as well as having polls throughout the event, can definitely help you get more in tune with the audience and make changes to your program or to the subject matter that are more relevant. Yeah, definitely. Just going back to that, one of the other things that you can 
do to definitely keep that engagement up is using the social feed. Every single session that we provide has its own separate social feed. That's not the same social feed that you can post in the entire conference. So while you are viewing your session, uh, to the right of it, there's always an active social feed that is always refreshing. So whenever someone posts something or makes a comment, you will be able to see that automatically. For example, this can be used while you're doing a live stream as a presenter. You can ask a question, whether you ask it during your live stream or you ask it right there in the social feed. And as soon as it is asked, your attendees will be able to just comment on that post and just give you their answers. And you can, you know, go off from that, read it to your presenters, just to make sure that everything, everyone's being paid attention to, and just really promote that engagement through that service. Are you able to also have that social feed on during a pre-recorded playing of an event? Yeah, yeah, that, that works too. The way that you would do that would be, you have your pre-recorded video as a presenter and it's already there. And once your session goes live and you know that your attendees are viewing it, you can also be viewing it as a presenter. So while you are on that screen as a presenter, on the right-hand side, you'll still see that social feed. And as your attendees view and have questions, you can be there to immediately answer them through the same social feed. Awesome. So you can increase your engagement with your audience by having that option of having a pre-recorded video because you'll have time now to sit and interact with the audience. Whereas if you were having to speak, it'd be a little bit more tricky to try and interact with your audience. Yeah, it's like you are your own presenter's moderator. You are somehow doing both at the same time. <laughs> and if you have an MC as well, you can have them, you know, have that that function where they're pushing out polls to people and making sure everybody's engaged. Yeah, I, I would definitely devote some staff, if not an MC. I don't really know much about an MC. We're going to ask Courtney in a little bit uh, what an MC does, but definitely having someone who acts as a moderator or a facilitator on the back end and keeps those conversations going and kind of can direct towards the topic, towards the content, and keep them engaged and satisfied and and feeling like they're getting more value out of it than just watching a video. Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Any other major engagement features you wanted to talk about today? So something I have been seeing as an innovative idea is our conference organizers are actually saying maybe a code or a phrase during their session. And then when the session is complete, they'll send out a evaluation that will say, which phrase did I use? Was it bananas? Was it strawberries? Was it blueberries? And then they'll select which one. So it kind of make sure that people are staying accountable. So in addition to our features that we're well known for, which is credit tracking, attendance tracking, and all of that, and making, making sure people are held accountable, we're also putting in that, that extra layer of, are you engaged? So just, you know, an, an extra engagement tool to make sure people are paying attention. Ooh, I really like that. And you could even jazz it up with some gamification. Where at the beginning of the session, you say, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be posting a picture of a ladybug and the first person to message in that they saw it gets a prize or something fun like that just to keep people on their toes and really watching the screen diligently. Right. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's that's those are all great ideas. And honestly, thinking about it, you can also assign points to the social feed usage. So, for example, as your attendees start posting photos or sharing links or any sort of engagement on that social feed, they'll actually accrue points throughout the conference. 
And you as an administrator can view that tally of points and see your leaderboard. So you can have some sort of contest to see who's the one who's most engaged in the social feed, who's been the more, the more active person in there. And you can offer some sort of prizes just to keep people constantly using that social feed. That's great. So yeah, so before we move on to our interview, I did want to mention a new feature that we just released this week. Um, we now have the ability to have a built-in streaming service within Conference Tracker. That means that instead of using a service like Zoom or GoToMeeting, we have the ability to just have everything within Conference Tracker without you having to go to another platform to do your online live presentations. Asher, is this just for live streaming or can you have pre-recorded sessions through the system as well? So right now we are focusing on the live stream aspect of it. But for those pre-recorded sessions, we do have a lot of experience with all the other platforms that are out there, YouTube, Vimeo. So we can definitely help out with those pre-recorded uh, sessions and uploading them to the best platform that will help your conference out the most. Well, thanks so much for letting us know, Asher. These are some great ideas for creating some engaging content. And we're going to keep this going in our interview with Courtney Stanley. So we'll take a short break and we'll be talking to her. All right. We are so excited today on the C3 podcast to have Courtney Stanley with us. And she is an entrepreneur and keynote speaker. So, Courtney, tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement in the events industry. Sure, I would love to. So, first, let me just say that I absolutely love the events industry. I actually studied hospitality, tourism, and events when I was in university and just completely fell in love with the global aspect of our community and how many endless possibilities there were to, to grow and to change course within this space, which is exactly what I did when I when I graduated and first entered our industry. I started out as an event planner for an agency, an events agency based in Boston, Massachusetts, and was there for a few years before moving up to Toronto, Ontario, working for an event technology company there, more on the supplier side. And that's where I really started to, to dig into more of the event marketing and PR and brand and content marketing side of things. And then I took a little bit of a weird turn and worked in the political space for an environmental nonprofit for a few years. And all, all the while, while I was growing and exploring within our field, I found that I really had a passion for public speaking. So I would use vacation days and I would use weekends to go and speak at conferences on the side and write for different industry publications and just collaborate and share ideas with as many amazing people in our community that I could. So all of that leads me to where I am today. I actually started off on a completely different adventure as a full-time entrepreneur and as of this past January. So I'm about six months into my new chapter of being a full-time keynote speaker, event MC. I have a podcast called Dare to Interrupt, and I also do career coaching. So it's been it's been a, a winding road within the industry, but I've always found my way back home. And I think much of that is thanks to just our community being so wonderful. I'm just so grateful to be a part of this industry. Wow. That's a beautiful journey. 
Yeah, it sounds like you're doing so much. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it's really admirable. And I think as any other events professional can tell you, we like to be busy doing lots of things. So you are an example of things moving in the right direction, at least until the pandemic, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, the pandemic definitely was a massive curveball, not just for me, but also for, you know, the the entire industry, really. And it's been interesting to see how people have handled such a crisis with getting more creative or feeling completely paralyzed um, or, you know, completely reinventing an annual conference they've done every single year and transitioning to a virtual experience. It's just been it's been a wild ride for the industry. But I do think that it's been a good opportunity for us to really collaborate and stretch and grow and really challenge ourselves to be an even better industry than we were before. That is definitely true. Hey, backing off of what you were just saying to moving to a whole new virtual or hybrid landscape, what would you say are the most important considerations for event professionals who are, you know, preparing for their big annual conference or they're preparing for that meeting that would have been in person and now it's virtual? Such a good question. And I have a whole running list in my head. (laughs) There's so many things that are different. A lot of, I mean, there are a lot of things that parallel between online and virtual or hybrid, but there are some things that become more of a priority when you switch to a virtual experience. And I think one of the biggest things is having a killer MC. I really, really wholeheartedly believe that the importance of having somebody who can just seamlessly and knowledgeably transition from component to component within your live event or your live show is so critical. That person is the perfect blend between being engaged with the audience and being knowledgeable about what's going on behind the scenes. It's it's the puppeteer, for lack of a better word. So that's one thing that I, I definitely encourage my peers and colleagues to consider is making sure that they have that BFF to help them run the show and keep the energy moving and just handle any of those critical transitions that do take place during virtual events. The other thing that I would say that is so important is that just like with an in-person event, having staff behind the scenes to manage things, to make sure that the customers never see if there's a problem, to troubleshoot, to assist, it's so important to have staff behind the scenes when you're doing a virtual event. It's, it's too much for one person or even two people to handle. So even if that's transitioning speakers behind the scenes, if that's troubleshooting technology problems, or if you have somebody that tries to hack your event and gets past a security layer, it's important to have someone there that's specifically focused on those tasks that will actually impact your event, sometimes not in a good way. So security is also really, really important. And then I would say that it's so important to have a dry run, to go through the technology that you're using to rehearse, to make sure that your speakers feel super comfortable with everything that they need to do. It is worth it to actually have a full run through of the conference with each of your speakers, especially with your MC. That's a that's a huge, hugely important component in moving to virtual. Definitely. Yeah, we've seen with our clients who have gone virtual that a run through has been extremely helpful in making sure that the audio is working properly, that they have the video set up they want. 
that the streaming capabilities are all working from the audience point of view, everything, you know, you want to get everything lined up. And our support people here have been really good about running through that with each of our clients. I want to ask you a question, Courtney, about the MC. I've been to a few conferences, but not very many of them have had an MC. But I do, you know, understand the function of an MC and how they are like the cheerleader throughout the event. They're there to make announcements, to introduce people, to give out information that's essential to the attendees and build the excitement at the same time. Tell me, how can that be done in a virtual world? Or do you have some ideas for how that can be done? Because sometimes I'm, I'm just trying to imagine how that fits into the virtual platforms that people are utilizing. And I do have some ideas myself, but I want to hear from you since you're familiar with, with the role of the MC, what you would recommend. Absolutely. It's it's so funny because if you were to just ask somebody, you know, what do you what do you think the job of an MC is at a live event? They would probably say, oh, you know, it's to keep the hype, it's to keep the energy going, it's to crack a few jokes in between speakers. And that is definitely part of the role. But what you don't see is what happens behind the scenes. And I truly believe that the behind the scenes action that takes place in a virtual event is very different than during a live event. And an MC's role in a virtual environment is much more involved. So this person is the one who's going to make sure that it doesn't crash and burn in between speakers, that they're able to somehow keep the audience engaged not even being able to see them. So it's not so much for speaker introductions, but it's to truly be that person that will uphold the integrity of the event and transition the event so that it actually does flow. Because if you think about it, when you're in person at an event, it's so much easier to communicate nonverbal cues. So if somebody is going over, if a speaker is missing, if the audience is completely bored, you're able to see it, you can feel it, you observe it, and you adjust. When you're virtual, you, you, you you can't tap into any of that. So it's important to have somebody whose role is specifically to keep things moving on track, to get the audience involved and engaged, and to uphold that that vibe or that integrity of the event, which essentially is the purpose. It's to provide value to the audience. I'm also thinking that some of the conference organizers I work with, they're thinking of doing some of their breakout sessions pre-recorded. And they're thinking of how exactly that's going to fit into the conference framework. And I feel as though an MC would help that process to go even more smoothly to kind of like introduce the topic. So it's it seems as though it's continual and it's still in that conference format. So I see how that could be helpful as well. Absolutely. One of the ideas I had was since thinking about the tools that we have in our conference tracker, conference attendee, there's different ways that you can interact with the audience that isn't just through the video. So you could have someone as as the MC kind of on the chat board and throwing out polls to the audience or different visual things that draw the audience in as well, like images or questions about the topic or just things that help to move move the conversation along behind the actual virtual streaming. Yeah, I think that that's a that's a really great use of an MC is to is to help keep the conversation alive during a presentation. It's also really helpful just aside from the MC, it's also really helpful when you train your speakers because there should absolutely be virtual speaker training 
when you talk to them, to ask them to ask the audience for feedback. So to ask the speaker to ask the audience to, you know, pose a question in, in a Q&A box or to give feedback in the chat box. Even if it's a simple yes or no, that's something that I do when I lead presentations is I ask the audience, have you, tell me if you've ever experienced that. I want to hear more about it. And they throw something in the chat box or I say, you know, when people find it so difficult to connect with each other these days, take a second to drop in your LinkedIn URL so people can see who's here and connect with you on the spot. So it's good to any way that you can get your audience active is going to be a win for you because I mean, we all know it's so easy to become distracted at an in-person conference. So when we're sitting at home and there are kids running around and we are, you know, our texts are blowing up and we're doing laundry and making egg salad, like there's a lot happening behind (laughs) So it's good to give them a reason to stay. And that's really what you want. You want them to stay and feel like they're getting value and, you know, and have a good experience with your brand and with your product or your service. Definitely. You're kind of already going at it, but tell us a little bit how you approach speaking engagements. Yes. So I, okay, so my thing is definitely that I believe content has to be relevant. That's a huge thing for me. So presentations that I was delivering last year, I'm not delivering this year. Everything has changed because the needs of my audiences have also changed. What matters to them now does did not matter to them before. So things like how to shift from feeling paralyzed and become more productive because, you know, maybe they lost their job or maybe they lost their team and now they're they're doing 10 people's jobs and how to handle that kind of stuff or, you know, even a lot of my story revolves around turning a setback into a comeback and how you can actually build a business and build momentum during a time of crisis and a time where it feels like the world has stopped, but the days keep moving. So for me, it really comes down to producing and having conversations that actually matter to people. If the content isn't relevant to your audience, then it's going to offer no value. That's the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would add is that I am loving all of the engagement opportunities on virtual. So there's, don't get me wrong, there is nothing better than being in person, being on stage. I love the feeling. I love the adrenaline. I love being able to read the room and see people's faces. And that that is some good stuff. But what I'm really loving about virtual that's different than in person is that you have the opportunity to immediately connect and to engage immediately following your presentation. So, you know, I'm asking people to check me out on social at Courtney on stage and connect with me on LinkedIn right here, right now. And this is how you can do it, you know, really easily. And and then I follow up with everybody, anybody who tweets about me or anybody who tries to message me on LinkedIn. I, it's so awesome because I can easily just shut the presentation down when I'm finished and then go and have a conversation with the people who are in the audience that maybe would have had to rush off to, you know, an appointment or would have had to, you know, go to the next session or something like that. So I found that it's it's created a really cool, unique opportunity for me to actually build meaningful relationships, whereas in-person maybe didn't provide the same type of experience. Definitely. Courtney, another question I have for you is on the attendee side. So we've talked a lot about the organizer and we've talked about the speakers, but what value can and what mindset can the attendees who are attending these virtual conferences go in to get the most value out of the event? 
So I definitely think the rule of thumb of what you put in, you're going to get out applies to any and all situations, virtual included. So if you're an attendee and let's say that you're looking to make new connections, maybe do some business, it's important that you actually engage during the event. So, and I don't mean, when I say engage, I don't mean sell. So right now, especially in the world that we're living in today, it's selling just selling in general is needs to be much more strategic, much more sensitive, and much more emotionally intelligent. So if you're attending an event, it's so important that people see your name, they see your, you know, maybe your little image, your icon pop up, they check out your profile. That kind of stuff is really good for brand recognition. So, you know, posing really thoughtful questions and encouraging speakers or, you know, connecting with other people that you see in the room, checking out other attendee profiles and sending them a message there. All of this stuff makes a difference. If you just show up to an event as an attendee and then that's it, and then you hit the exit button and you're done and you move on with your day. Maybe the content provided you some value, but you missed so many opportunities to expand your network, to grow your brand, and to just take advantage of the fact that the world is at your fingertips in a virtual world. Yeah, and that that applies to so many different aspects in life as well. Always just just go for it. That's how we connected. Just hi, I'm Rachel. Right. Your name. Exactly. Exactly. Just go for it and have a conversation. You never know what's going to happen. So, yeah. That's actually a really interesting point that you make. Just go for it. Because so many people in our industry are extroverts, but so many people in our industry are, are not. They're introverts. So... I would definitely consider myself a combination or an ambivert where I maybe actually lean slightly more introverted. I'm not sure. It's pretty evenly split. However, I, even though, you know, I love meeting people and I love, you know, having really cool, authentic, raw conversations and getting to know other people. I still have those butterflies and those nerves when I have to walk into an event and just introduce myself cold to people in the room. It's not easy, but with virtual, you're hiding behind a screen. So there is a positive side to trolling, right? Like you can actually (laughs) be somewhat faceless and be confident and be in your pajamas or however you dress that day and still connect with people and still introduce yourself without feeling the pressure of having to have a glass of wine before you work a room and forgetting your business cards. And there there are definite benefits for the introverts in this virtual situation we're living in. Well, and I think there's less risk. I think you're not putting your whole being in front of someone and you're not as vulnerable necessarily. Rejection isn't it bad. Yeah. I mean, in some ways you're vulnerable because you've got your, you know, social media or whatever out there. But not being face to face gives it an element of protection. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now that events have gone virtual, how would you change your approach to a speaking engagement? You've talked a a little bit about it, but are there some other things that you would do to change your approach aside from making sure that you're relevant? There are tons of opportunities to change what you're doing other than the content piece of things. Um, I do think that it's difficult to give a presentation especially a a keynote or a workshop where you're presenting solo, it's, I personally find it much more challenging and I find it actually quite draining to give a presentation virtually. I'll, I'll explain that too. So I, when I give a presentation, what I love about my job, about being a keynote speaker is 
I love feeling the energy in a room and I love getting feedback. So people, you know, people clapping, nodding, people high-fiving, people thanking you, all of that stuff that you get in person fills me with energy. But I had this epiphany maybe a month ago when I was doing virtual speaking engagements back to back to back to back. And I realized that it actually drains my energy. It doesn't give me energy all the time to be speaking at a computer, which is completely different. So that was an an important lesson for me to to learn and for me to be aware of because I I have to be responsible for the energy that I bring to the audience, whether it's in person or it's in virtual. So I've actually learned that I need to pump myself up more before I give a virtual presentation. So I could be, you know, listening to to Beyonce or, you know, having maybe a little extra coffee or just, you know, talking to myself in the mirror and pumping myself up because it does take more energy to deliver a virtual presentation. And then also making sure that I'm asking the audience to give me feedback before, during, and after. So what do you want to hear about? You know, tell me about your experience with this or afterward going through the comments and making sure that I'm thanking everyone who came and and asking them, you know, what was a valuable lesson that you learned today? That way I'm still engaging with people, building relationships, making connections. And that stuff does give me energy. So that's, I would say that's actually been a huge learning curve for me is that the way that I prepare for virtual is completely different. I've also learned that I have to prepare more for virtual. So I've always said, I love to wing it. I love to wing it. I'm really good at giving presentations, not over-preparing. So not, you know, it's not scripted. I don't know every single thing I'm going to say. It's more fun, but I don't find that that's the case with virtual. With virtual, I think that because you are talking to a screen, it's like recording a video. You do need to have more of a structure to your presentation. You do need to rehearse and you do need to make sure that you know what the next sentence is that's going to come out of your mouth because it's not really a great opportunity to course correct when it's recorded. So you need to make sure that you're responsible for you know the experience that you're providing. I think that also speaks to what you were saying before about the psychology of extrovert versus introvert, because while you might be getting energy from your audience in a live presentation, that might not be the same with a virtual presentation. Sometimes as well as a fellow extrovert and introvert sometimes, (laughs) but mostly extrovert when I'm meeting people, you can kind of sense the energy without even talking. So I can be having a conversation or even presenting and I can see the body language of the audience. And that makes me have the ability to wing it, as Courtney was saying, because that kind of gives me confidence. But I do like you, you hit the nail on the head when you said you're just talking to a screen. So you don't know, is anybody listening to me? Is anyone out there? Literally, that is how you, you feel. And in this extrovert, that is so, um, it's, it's limiting. So I do see the need to prepare more. That's, that's definitely true. I'm actually just thinking about our experience right now and having this podcast as we speak and as we make connections and learn from each other, we're kind of pumping each other up as we have a conversation. I would actually encourage event organizers to have more of a conversation type presentation where you have more than one presenter so that you can bounce more energy off of each other. Because it is definitely true when you're just speaking to a camera by yourself, 
you you get no reaction. You get none of that energy that we're getting even here listening to each other and talking to each other. I love the idea of having more of a dialogue instead of just one speaker. There was one panel that I was a part of that was virtual. And I found myself getting so excited and so energized when people were, they were vibing and they were sharing ideas and, and it was so much easier, I think. And the hour went by so fast because you were not only sharing the time and sharing the stage, but it just became more natural and more organic. I will also say that I have found there are pros and cons to pre-recording as a speaker. And it's interesting because when you pre-record, the experience itself is challenging because of those reasons of not having an audience, not having anybody, you know, even commenting or saying anything on social media or anything like that. However, I loved that when the day came and the session was already done and I had the opportunity as a speaker to chat with attendees in the chat box as the expert and to share posts on social media and just snag clips to share with other people. So there are definitely pros and cons to that side of things. But I think that there is absolutely value in pre-recording and definitely value in having those group conversations with other people as well. So something that you can actually do through Conference Tracker is you have the ability to pre-record your sessions. But as you said, Courtney, you can actually have them done from, say, 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. So it's a pre-recorded session, but you're offering it from that time to that time. So then you tell everybody, hey, this session is going to be from 5 to 6. You make sure that the presenter is there. The presenter is continually posting or the MC is posting and they're engaging with that audience. So even though it's pre-recorded, you can still talk to everybody and you can have live polling going on and all of those posts happening at the same time. So we have definitely seen that value and that kind of is a fail safe as well. So, so you don't have to be monitoring the live stream as well. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of value behind pre-recording for sure. I think the only piece that should shift on the speaker side is just letting your speakers know that it's, you know, you may find that it's a little bit challenging. Pump yourself up before you do it. Feel free to, you know, cut and stop and re-record and make it fun. And I think that that's the only, really the only downside. But the the live experience when you using recorded sessions the day of the conference when you're releasing those recordings, I think the experience is better for the audience and for the speaker with pre-recorded sessions. I totally am going to learn from this because I do presentations all the time about our company, about the products we have and the different services we offer. And I never thought, hey, I should really pump myself up before I do these. <laughs> I just went into them thinking I can do this. And then, you know, I guess I pump myself up a little bit, but I never thought, oh, I could bring a lot more energy to this. And especially some of those when I'm presenting to a group. I know, Rachel, you do this all the time and they're on mute mm. and they're just listening and they're probably having conversations with each other in the room or whatever, but I'm getting no feedback. So I think I definitely could improve the way I present by bringing energy myself and just being more satisfied with where I am energy wise and not worrying so much about what I'm receiving, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That definitely makes sense to me. Yeah. So Courtney, do you think that virtual and hybrid events are going to be here for a while? What do you think the future looks like? 
Ladies, I am so excited about the future of this industry. And I really mean that from the bottom of my heart because people have been, they've been quarantined. They've had a lot of time on their hands at home to be thinking of really cool, creative ways and what their comeback is going to look like when our industry begins to revive and to recover. I personally believe that face-to-face is going to make a huge comeback because especially for all the extroverts, we, we miss that <laughs> face-to-face experience. So having, you know, sharing a glass of wine or a bottle of wine and having a good conversation and hearing a live band and feeling, you know, the breeze on your face at an outdoor networking event, all that stuff is being missed. So I do think that face-to-face is 100% going to make a huge comeback. Obviously, there will be changes with you know safety and sanitization, et cetera. However, I do think that virtual options are here to stay. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. I, I personally believe that hybrid is the future. So I think that there are huge benefits to having a virtual component to your event. You reach a much larger audience with you know, more, more diversity, you're able to include people from different corners of the world. The more people that you're able to include, the more interesting those conversations and the the different types of ideas and feedback and connections that are available to the audience, to the, the people who are even putting on the conference of the company, you save so much money, so much money, especially <laughs> if you take a strategic approach to sponsorship. So I 100% think that hybrid is going to be the future of this industry. I know that this moment in our industry's history feels painful and it is painful, but I firmly believe that it presents us with a gift and that is to stretch ourselves and to be even better and even stronger. So I, I believe that we'll not only get to see each other in person when it's safe to do so, but I think that we'll be able to attend more events globally. And I think that we will be able to elevate the reach and the diversity and impact of the audience. Yes, this has opened so many doors that we didn't even know existed. So it it can definitely be looked at positively. Absolutely. Yeah, there's many, many lessons that have been learned so far and many more to come. I agree. Cheers to the future of the industry. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So Courtney, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you definitely wanted to bring up? I think the last thing that I would love for the audience to remember is, again, the importance of content and your strategy when you design your agenda or your program for a virtual event. You really need to dig into the audience, ask the audience, poll the audience before you even start picking your speakers, before you start figuring out how long you want sessions to be, what sponsors are going to be doing during the virtual event. It's so important that you take a step back and understand that you're planning for a completely different audience that has completely different needs than what you were doing six months ago or 12 months ago. So I would just encourage the audience from a, you know, a partner perspective as sponsors or you know, previous exhibitors, from an attendee perspective, from a speaker perspective, MC, from the planner perspective, everything has changed. So just get creative. Don't be afraid to take some risks. Don't be afraid to ask for feedback before you actually plan out your program. And 
and make some mistakes and learn from them and then improve. Yes. I've been so excited when I see some of these surveys come through from different events that I was planning to go to and they're asking, you know, what if we do this or what if what if we structure it this way? Would you be interested in attending it virtually at different time frames or things like that? So I think you're right. We definitely need to get more in touch with the audience or the potential audience and grow really valuable content that's going to bring that audience to us and make sure that they enjoy themselves and that it's a very enriching experience for them and for us. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Courtney. Yes, thank you, Courtney. We will definitely put your links and whatever else you want to promote in our show notes. And if you want to give a plug now, feel free. It's been such an honor being here today. Thank you, ladies, so much. I'm I'm thrilled to be a part of this conversation. And for those of you listening, I would love to connect with you. I would love to know who's out there and what ideas inspired you. So please make sure that you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Courtney on Stage. Or you can check me out at my website, Courtney-Stanley.com. And of course, make sure to connect with me on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is the best. So I look forward to hearing from you. And thank you again, ladies, so much for having me on today. You're welcome. Thank you. up, we have some of the latest happenings in the industry. Rachel, what have you got for us today? So we've got some really heartwarming things today. And those are how the event industry has persevered during this time of economic strain and actually repurposed a lot of you know, what they were doing previously into helping efforts in the community. So one of those are that Disney Parks actually donated 150,000 rain ponchos and 100,000 N95 masks to hospitals and medical professionals. So that's really huge because, you know, they probably repurposed a lot of the essential items they had to actually give it to a cause that was needed during this time. That's awesome. I heard that theme parks, I I think it was Disney, maybe some others had already donated food to like the local food banks and things like that because they weren't open and they wouldn't have the opportunity to serve guests that food. So they sent it over to the needy. Right. Actually, on my list, specific resort in California, the name is Haras. They actually donated more than 8,000 pounds of food to their community. So I think that's along those lines. But there's so many more instances of that as well. And then the final act of kindness I have here is an organization called Hospitality and Events Fight Back. They built a call center to actually support the health community. So, you know, all of those maybe personnel who weren't working at the time, they use their talents to help the health community as well. Those are just some examples. And and there's so many more of how the events industry has been trying to, you know, help in the cause and also repurpose their talents to help our economy and our community. That's awesome. I'm really impressed by the resilience of all of our event professionals that we've interacted with and several of these different organizations that have just stepped up because they know people are in a bind right now 
And so they're, like you said, they're repurposing their resources to help others. And that is the best thing that we could be doing right now is just looking for ways to serve one another and be leaders in the industry by doing so. Of course. Yes. And then I have some great news about reopening. So lots of hotels and event venues are reopening. And one of those are in our wonderful Orlando. And there's so many more, but just an example, the Hyatt Regency Orlando reopens. And of course, they're taking all the necessary safety precautions. And they actually list those for people who are you know, mindful of that. So you can go on their website and actually see those safety precautions. And I think that's a great step as an event industry pillar to kind of put on your your website to kind of let people know these are the steps that we're taking so that we can reopen safely. Definitely. Yeah, I saw many of the theme parks are starting to reopen with reservations and all of the precautions put in place. I'm really excited. I can get out of the house and go check some of these out again. Yes. And then I also want to talk about venue reopening. So convention centers are planning on reopening, but they're planning on reopening at even a larger scale. So for instance, the Jacob K. Javits Convention Center in New York is planning to reopen in March 2021, but they're adding upgrades and additional space. And then just like that, the Las Vegas Convention Center is reopening in January 2021, and they're also adding 1.4 million square feet of event space. So that's huge, right? So people are taking this time to definitely go big, right? So they're they're looking for a big comeback for the events industry. Well, I think it's coming. I mean, you heard Courtney, we are coming back and we're coming back strong. So hopefully everyone is able to pull the resources together and keep planning for the future. Yes. So I want to now move into the events that are coming up. These are some virtual events. And something that's great during this time is we can attend events virtually with people who might be across the world or even across our state or in even another state. So that's that's a great opportunity to meet new people. These are mostly MPI events, so Meeting Professionals International. Um, one of the webinars that MPI is putting on is rethinking incentive trips or rethinking prizes as as relates to event models and, and all of that with this new virtual landscape. So that will be offered on June 24th at 11 a.m. And the final event I have to talk about is actually put on by MPI Oregon. And it's great because it's a virtual happy hour. (laughs) And so I'm in Orlando and I can actually communicate with MPI members in Oregon through this event. So that's great. Awesome. I'm guessing it's bring your own beer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's monthly too. So if you don't catch this one, you can also get the next. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing those events, Rachel. I'll definitely check those out and we'll put them in the show notes. And thank you. just want to thank everyone for listening today. And thank you so much to those of you who have already shown your support. And for those of you who want to keep this show going, we just ask that you subscribe, share this podcast with your colleagues, fellow event professionals, and leave us a review if you can. Smash that subscribe button, guys. Yes. All your reviews help us and will help other people to find out more about their events and what to do and creative solutions and all that. So the more you review, the more you like, the more you comment, 
the more we will get more interviews for you guys and have more content. Yes. And if you would like, we're going to put this out there. Free advertisement for your events, your upcoming events, those virtual and hybrid events. Be sure to leave us a voicemail describing your event, what kind of things you have planned, and we might just give you some free advertisement on our podcast. So leave us a voicemail letting us know about your upcoming events. We're so excited that we're finally planning some and some are coming into fruition that have been long awaited. Okay, thanks so much, guys. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.